presented by Altria. Hey, good morning. I'm Playbook co-author Eugene Daniels. It's Thursday, May 25th. The country, as you know, is just days away from hitting the debt ceiling. And as the Senate and the House are getting ready to, to go, go on a long vacation, um, one of the things that we have been looking at is where are the cracks? And one of the places is with the Democratic Party, where Dems are having big discussions, debates, fights about messaging and how it should go. In a closed-door meeting yesterday, Representative Johanna Hayes challenged her party's leadership on the caucus's debt-ceiling messaging strategy. What she said, according to folks we talked to, why aren't we staying this weekend? We should stay here and ask Republicans how they can go home. Debbie Dingle, the representative from Michigan, who was supposed to officiate her goddaughter's wedding in Italy, canceled the trip and instead stayed behind in D.C. and said she's right, agreeing with Congresswoman Hayes. Hakeem Jeffries, the House Minority Leader, he didn't reject the idea outright, but senior Democrats tell us leadership is not in favor of forcing members to skip constituent meetings back home when there are no concrete plans to vote here. So what we're seeing is a push for some Democrats to remain here because they feel like they're losing the messaging war messaging battle on the debt ceiling. You have House Republicans who have been having 45-minute gaggles with reporters. The White House, who has said for months they don't negotiate in public, kind of staying mum after a lot of these meetings. And so it looks like for many Dems, seeing Biden's non-engagement as a strategic blunder. One member of Jeffrey's leadership team told us, quote, they don't want to poison the well in negotiations, but Republicans are doing just that. And it's an asymmetrical game. It's not sustainable. What we've seen mostly is Hakeem Jeffries out there being on the attack for Democrats, right? Almost like a like a one man band. But when I talked to a Biden ally last night about this, who's been in touch with the White House over the recent days of all of this, what they said is, basically, do you really think that Hakeem Jeffries would be out there if he didn't have conversations with the White House about this, that they weren't in lockstep? And so essentially, that person confirming what we kind of assumed is that the White House is happy to play the good cop in this. And you have Hakeem Jeffries out there pushing in attacking Republicans in a way that the White House doesn't want to be seen as doing, especially when they're doing and handling the brunt of the negotiations. And this is one of those storylines that's kind of on the side of this debt ceiling fight, but that we are going to be watching. So keep looking out for that. And it started not with a bang, but baby with a whimper and some fits and some starts and some awkward pauses and some Elon Musk talking quietly in the background trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> for months, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has been teasing a run for president. Joining me to discuss DeSantis' campaign rollout and what we might see from him in the next few days as he and his campaign try to spin this in their favor is our reporter covering the ins and outs of the DeSantis campaign, Sally Goldenberg. Sally, 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 it was a bit of a mess. It was not what anyone expected. My first question to you is, how is the campaign trying to spin this? Because we've seen, you know, how on the spaces they were trying to spin it as, you know, we broke the Internet. Is that still what they're going with at this point? Yeah. So right after the incident where, you know, they, they couldn't get the event started for like at least half an hour, they recorded after they wrapped up, they recorded a video with DeSantis, a quick video where he basically says, you know, same thing. We broke the internet. We had so much support. Let's make it a, you know, let's show that support in fundraising. And so they kind of pivoted to turn it into a fundraising pitch. And then his press secretary tweeted, 
oh, we raised a million dollars in one hour online. And Twitter is too, like Elon Musk and David Sachs, who hosted the interview, were both kind of kept intermittently saying like, oh, we're, you know, this is unprecedented. <laughs> this is just unprecedented levels of support. That's why this happened. When you think about what happened last night with DeSantis and Twitter and Elon Musk, for people that didn't see immediately after he went on Fox News and kind of repeated the same things, how do you think this is going to impact or will it impact his campaign? Is it kind of a blip and it doesn't matter? Like, what's the impact and in, in, in effect? Well, you know, first impressions matter. So I think I don't think it will determine whether or not he wins the election necessarily. But it's a first impression for people who don't know anything about him. And it looked messy. It looked you know, disorganized, it looked unprofessional. And that's the opposite of what he tries to portray. I mean, his his message has been, I'm an organized, unchaotic, you know, com- uh, alternative to Donald Trump. He's not really making policy distinctions at this point with Trump. He's making stylistic distinctions. So to have such a kind of chaotic rollout when your whole message is like, you're the kind of tidy, you know, buttoned up, in control guy, it really cuts against that image he's trying to portray. So I think it hurts him from a perception point of view. It's early. I mean, like he can he can fix this, but it's not it's not good to mess up your rollout. You know, part of the aim was was kind of to reset, right? Because there's been months of things not going well, weeks and weeks of of narrative that he his campaign is flailing, et cetera. Um, and part of this aim was to reset, and that's not what what he got. But as you said, we have many, many, many months left of this 2024 presidential campaign. So yeah. this is not the end of that. Thank you so, so much, Sally, for your time. Of course, thank you. And for your schedule today at 1.45 p.m., Biden will announce a historic nomination of General C.Q. Brown Jr. to serve as the next chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff in a Rose Garden ceremony. Vice President Kamala Harris, Second Gentleman Doug Imhoff, and the Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin will be there. Brown would become the first Black Joint Chiefs of Staff chair in 30 years since the late Colin Powell. At 1 p.m., Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre will brief reporters the Senate's out for an expanded schedule of everything happening in D.C. today, including whether or not we get a deal on the debt ceiling and a lot more, check out Playbook this morning at politico.com slash playbook. I'm Eugene Daniels. Thanks for listening. We're moving in a new direction, moving forward and moving beyond smoking. We are Altria and our companies are leading the way in moving adult smokers away from cigarettes by taking action to transition millions toward potentially less harmful choices as we move from being known as a tobacco company to being recognized as a tobacco harm reduction company. Altria is moving beyond smoking. Find out how at altria.com.